Episode number 82 of The Night Shift. Kyle Mike Stubbs, your host as always. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts, whether you listen to them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, It's been a very quiet, at least in the night's realm in terms of games, but that is set and ready to be picked up this weekend with a three and three. We will get to it in just a little bit. Uh, We also have some stories that we're going to get to some news out of the WHL. Uh, But, you know, Mike, on the last episode of the podcast, we were talking a lot about different stories and whatnot with Dale Hunter hitting 908 wins uh, in his OHL coaching career. And, I, I feel like we got a lot of positive feedback telling stories about that because people get to go reminisce about where Dale was and where the Knights and where anyone was before something happened. It's always fun to see the progression of it. It is. It is always fun to see how things go from there. And you know what? We got talking this week about some of those stories going back in time. And there's a story that I'd forgotten about until Mark Hunter brought it up, but it comes from the London Erie series that had taken place the year that Dale Hunter started the coach, if I'm remembering it right. So there is a goal that goes in. So for anyone who's become a Knights fan after they moved to Budweiser Gardens, the Knights, of course, played at what was originally Treasure Island Gardens and then the London Gardens, and then it became the London Ice House when the Terry family purchased the team. And this building was brand new in the beginning. It was about 40 years old by the end. And so it had it had its uh it had its its quirks. The roof leaked. And when Markendale Hunter first purchased the team, uh, there were some times when mopping was needed. Um it it was a great place to see a game. Very loud. The, the fans were on top of you. So many wild things happened there. But during a playoff series, so picture this, during a playoff series in which the London Knights are this team that just won't go away and the Erie Otters are thinking, look, we've got a chance to win if only we can get through these guys. <laughs> the London Knights are playing at home. And if I'm remembering it right, it was the overtime game against the Erie Otters in that second round. So the Knights end up winning the game by a score of four to three. One of the goals in that game goes into the net, but it doesn't, Kyle, go between the posts. It actually goes to the left of the left post. And we're not talking about a shot that maybe was, you know, an inch and it just tucked in beside the post. I'm pretty sure it was five or six inches wide, but it went underneath the net because the nets had seen a lot and maybe they didn't sit exactly flat on the ice. And so there was, of course, you know, what that that was no goal, but it was called a goal by the referee. And we live in such a different world right now. There was no video replay. I don't no. even know if there was TV for that game. So <laughs> the goal went in. The referee on the ice called it a goal. There was only one referee. Therefore, it was a goal. And this was part of a night's comeback. And I, if I'm remembering it right, I think it was the goal that tied the game. And then Rick Stedman, who is now a Knights assistant coach, won the game in overtime. And so a crazy, crazy thing. But behind the scenes after this game, there was a lot of talk that, hey, this this puck, this puck went through the side of the net. And I think maybe they had the, the game video to look at and they could actually see it by then. 
And so the league calls Mark Hunter and says, look, you, you can't use those nets anymore. He said, I know. And they said, well, like we, we have to do something. There's a game, I think right away. It wasn't, wasn't too many days later, I think because they were playing, I think two, two, one, one, one. And so I think there was another game almost right away. And so they said, well, you like, you have to get a new net or you have to do something. And Mark said, I will fix the net. And I'm hoping as the legend goes, that there was a sledgehammer involved, something like that. <laughs> yeah. But they were able to, you know, set the net down and they felt it was, it was flat on the ice. And so as this next game approached, you had league officials coming in and they looked at the net and they just decided, no, nope, no, nope, that's the same net. We're not risking this. Don't exactly know how the puck went in, but it went in. Can't have this net. And the threat was if the Knights didn't get another net, they wouldn't be able to play that game that night. And so Mark Hunter does what Mark Hunter does best. I mean, we talked about the, the ice resurfacing machine story. The ice resurfacing machine was not getting out onto the ice. It's Mark immediately figuring out how they're going to get it out another door. So Mark hears, okay, we've got to get new nets, calls Western Fair, gets in his own truck, drives to Western Fair, picks up two nets, and then makes his way back. Now, anyone who had seen a game at the London Ice House or at the London Gardens knows that you had to go up and over the 401 going south and then you took a left down one road. There was one road in and one road out. And around game time, that road was pretty jammed. So Mark finds himself in this line of traffic. He has the game nets in his truck, trying to get them there for the start of the game. Makes it through the traffic. The arena crew runs out, grabs the nets. They bring them in. They put them onto the ice. The game is played. Unbelievable. And that, and you know, it's so funny too, when you talk about who Dale and, and Mark Hunter are as people, that is a very Hunter brothers story that, that you would put the, the nets in the back of their own trucks and drive them to said game, literally taking things into your own hands and doing it yourself. When you can't trust anybody else, Mike, you got to do it yourself. And, and that is exactly the Hunter way about things, which is why they've been around for so long and what they've done. But again, you just, it's stories that you just don't hear of or see nearly as often anymore. And I feel like this is one of the big reasons why we have this podcast and this platform to be able to talk about these stories and scenarios and things that have happened over the course and what has made the bro the Hunter brothers and what the Knights, what they are today. Whatever it takes, those great family values. I remember being out at the Memorial Cup in Red Deer in 2016, and they were putting, of course, noisemakers or whatever on every seat. And I look up and out one way is Ron Sutter. And out the other way is his twin brother, Rich, and they're helping to put the noisemakers on the seats because it's whatever it takes. These guys, former NHLers, have worked in the National Hockey League, but no, you need things on seats, I'm your guy. And those same family values exist for Mark and Dale. Whatever it takes to make something happen is the way that it's going to be done. Gosh, that is just it is so amazing. And uh, 
And I, I'm, I, I hope at some point there are, will be similar stories that involve stuff like that. But until then we'll have to reminisce about <laughs> what has happened in the past. Uh, Mike, we got to get back to being busy here because the London Knights have three games in three days. They are at home on Friday against Brantford. They go on the road to Owen sound to take on the attack. And then they return home on Sunday for a date with the Kitchener Rangers. It has been very quiet over the last few weeks for the Knights, where really they only play a game, maybe two. Their last game was last Friday, and it's not normal. They sit around all weekend and wait for the next game. The ice hasn't been used all that much. It'll be good for the Knights to get back to being busy, no? Yes, this is kind of plunging right into it, where when you look at this schedule at the beginning of the season, you would have said, well, Kitchener will be a team that's rebuilding. So, you know, third game in three days. All right, well, at least there's there's that great equalizer. Kitchener's not that team. Kitchener's a really, really, really good team. And so this is a really, really, really hard weekend. It begins with the Brantford Bulldogs. Brantford had a great showing this week against the Guelph Storm, jumped out to a big lead in that game, and then Guelph battled back. Brantford was up four to nothing, seven minutes into the second period. Guelph ended up winning the game 5-4 in a shootout. So there are some growing pains still going on in Brantford. They still have some young players, but they've got a lot of good young players. This is going to be a good team in the near future. Luca Testa, who was part of the deal that brought the two Ryans to the London Knights last year, Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphrey, he is almost at a goal per game pace and so that's been a bright spot recently and he's been battling some injuries in the early going so Brantford comes in and they're a team that if David Igorov plays in goal this guy has looked good this year so he's somebody to watch for and then the Knights go to Owen Sound and we've talked about Owen Sound this is a club that has been together this is their year Kyle this is their year you've got 19 and 20 year olds all over the place who've been together since they were 16 and 17 or 17 and 18 and they've been playing steady together for that long they've got a heck of a strong nucleus strongest one in the league when you look at the amount of time that players have played together thing about on sound is they haven't been seeing those results. They made a coaching move, replacing Greg Walters with Darren Rumble, and it looked like it was starting to come around. They lost their first three games after that coaching move, and then you'd think, oh, okay, all right, well, now they picked up a victory, and here they go. And then they picked up another victory. In fact, they beat Kitchener, and then they edged the Oshawa Generals to end last weekend, and then they took on the Flint Firebirds this week, and despite coming back and tying the game 3-3, they gave up three goals in the third period, none of them empty netters, all of them in a span of about two minutes and 20 seconds, and that's kind of been all in sound this year. They just have these moments where things stop going right, and that's something that the Knights will hope that they continue going into Owen Sound on Saturday. But this is still a really talented team. And then you come back and you face the Kitchener Rangers. And as we head into this weekend's games, we're recording this on Thursday morning, November the 2nd. Kitchener still has the top three scorers in the OHL. Hunter mm -hmm. Brustevich, Carson Rakoff, and Matthew Sopp. And Adrian Misiljevic isn't far behind. Right now, he's ranking sixth in scoring behind a couple of guys from North Bay, Anthony Romani and Dallin Wakeley. So Kitchener is still putting pucks into the net. 
Jackson Parsons is back in goal, and he's been a nice fit. He missed last season with a shoulder injury. So this is a club that you have to end off with. The good news for the Knights in the way that the scheduling works, it's a 6 o'clock start on the Sunday night against the Kitchener Rangers. So 7 o'clock at home on the Friday night. It's the dream lottery game for the Knights, and then they will bookend a game and a trip to Owen Sound with a game against the Rangers on Sunday. So jam-packed weekend, and it's the first time, I think, in sports history, Kyle, that it will be Brustevich versus Brustevich. We have never seen two Brustevichs go together at a high level in hockey. Well, we're about to see it because Henry of the London Knights takes on his brother Hunter, who, as we said, leads the OHL in scoring as a defenseman. There have never been so many Zeds involved in one matchup before, but yes, uh, the Brusteviches, it'll be a lot of fun seeing the brothers go at it. And what a surprise over there in Kitchener and, and what they have done and what he has done specifically as a, as a defender. And it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun to see because there's a lot of history with these two teams and adding an extra element, I feel like only enhances the experience of getting to watch these two teams play and, you have a Brustevich on either side. It makes for a lot of fun. Does it does. And so Henry's pretty excited about this. He talked about it with us on a previous podcast and now head to head. We'll talk with him after and see how that goes. We also had a chance to sit down through our good friend, Jim Van Horn with Knights associate general manager, Rob Simpson, because the Knights Kyle signed Brendan Gerber this week. He is off to an excellent start with, the Elmira Sugar Kings. He's somebody that so far on the season has 11 goals and 21 points in just 16 games. And so the Knights have added yet another player from that 2023 draft class that they have said, yeah, we've got to have this guy ready to go for our organization. So let's look back at this draft class before Jim Van Horn talks with Rob Simpson. William Moore was taken in the first round. He's with the U.S. National Development Team program. Is there an opportunity that he comes? Absolutely. Any team that takes a player that winds up going to that program, sometimes they will go the U.S. college route. Sometimes they'll wind up in the OHL. Think Max Jones years ago. Maybe that happens with William Moore. It's entirely up to him. Maybe he just leaves hockey and becomes a concert pianist because he's already one of those. So you had him in the first round, Alexei Medvedev in goal in the second round. The third round was P.J. Fagan and Blake Aerosmith. Fourth round, Noah Jenkin. And then the sixth round, Brendan Gerber. The Knights did not have a fifth round pick. All of those guys have now committed to OHL academic and development. What is it? Is it academic and development? What do they call it? Now they have a name. OHL... Uh, development agreement. I just want to get the wording right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They change it every year. Uh, OHL scholarship and development agreement. All of those players have agreed to OHL scholarship and development agreements, and now they are on the map for the London Knights and will be a big part of the future. And we'll run down in just a few minutes, just how well things have been going for some of them. But first here is Jim Van Horn with Knights associate general manager, Rob Simpson. Let's go back in the system and see where, what all those guys are doing. Will, uh, Woolly, Jared Woolley looks like, um, uh, you know, is, is really progressing well for St. Thomas on the blue line. 
Yeah, he's had a great start to the season down there, and um, I think he helped them with a need that they had, which, you know, he's looking like a number one defenseman uh, producing, you know, both sides of the puck. Obviously, offensively and defensively, he plays a physical game. Uh, a lot of nights he's putting up points and on the power play, penalty kill, and playing big minutes, which is great for his development. And big guys, when you get uh, bigger guys with um, puck skills and skating like him, that, that's a pretty rare combination. What do you see in his future? Yeah, definitely when you get a guy that's 6'4 and, and can move, pivot well, go back and retrieve pucks. And, you know, he's shown the ability to make small little area breakout passes that are tough to make under pressure. When you can do those things at 6'4", um, it's it's such an attribute because you already got the reach for defending. You already got the strength to box guys out. So it just adds another layer in your game that you can play both sides of the puck and really be a complete defenseman. Another uh, blue liner on the on the other side that night was uh, P.J. Fagan. How's his progress with the Nationals? Yeah, P- P.J. I thought started a little bit slow the first couple games, and uh, he's just really taken on taken a stride and a big step the last little while. I think. He's starting to produce more points. I think he's starting to figure out the league now and how he has to play and be successful. Uh, I think in that game he had two assists, so you know his puck moving's really coming along. And you know he's got the big frame, even though he's not the six forty, six foot, and and you know he's a big body that's really strong, that's hard to play against. So again, another kind of new age defenseman that's you know can play offense and also bring you some hard physicality defensively. Blake Aerosmith now getting some time, much you know, at the junior B level. What goes into being up now? There's always an issue. Americans coming up and what they can do. He's there. That that's going to help him. Got a goal? Yeah, you know, we're trying to give him a little bit of time because obviously he missed, I think, three weeks there where he didn't play any games. He played him one with us, um, but it's nice for him because he's a goal scorer, and you don't want to wait too long to get your first one in the league. It just kind of gets you confidence and gets you going. So. Nice for him to score his first one, and I know that for him, he's only going to keep improving as he gets into more game action and gets the reps going again. The goaltender Medvedev, if not for his work, uh, St. Thomas might have not been able to pull that out because they would have been, maybe could have been down 5 nothing after one. Talk about his progress. Uh, you always love to see young goalies get lots of pucks. Yeah, you know, I think he's done a real good job. I went to his first game. He played St. Mary's and had a tough night. I think it was 7-1, but the the whole team as a whole I thought got played outplayed badly and you know I talked to him after the first game and he wasn't happy with his game which is a positive thing that you know he made some huge saves and played well but he expected himself to be even better than that and you know now he's at the point where he's winning more games for them I think he's starting again tonight which is a good sign after he got the win on Wednesday so uh he he just shows you like his athleticism laterally his quickness is just very very high level um, he's like a lot of those younger goalies that need to really learn to slow down almost when you're that athletic, you know, kind of like a Tyler Parsons where, you know, he had to learn when to use his athleticism and not use it all the time. So he's always in, in a better shot lane or in a better angle, right? And he's picking it up quickly. He's working with our goalie coach, Darren Machesny and Tom Black. And uh, I just see improvements in his game all the time. Rob, thanks for your time. Thank you. That is Jim Van Horn with Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. And Kyle, if we break down how things have been going, let's look at the guys in the GOGE, in the GOJHL, and the seasons that they have been putting up. Brendan Gerber is playing with Elmira, 
And so that's in a different part of the GOJHL. But if we look at the Western Conference, Blake Aerosmith, as Rob Simpson mentioned, is now playing with the Nationals, already has a goal and an assist in five games. So off to a good start that way. He's played in a game for the London Knights. P.J. Fagan, who is listed as Peter Fagan in the GOJHL. I'm going to have to ask him whether he has changed from P.J. to Peter. I'm not sure. But no matter what first name he wants to use, he is third in national scoring, Kyle. He has four goals and seven assists for 11 points, and he leads them in penalty minutes. I can't wait to watch P.J. Fagan in the OHL because he's got this edge to him that you just can't teach, and he's got all of this skill as well. And already at 16, he's incredibly strong. When he is 18, that edge, that strength, that offensive skill that he has, that's a mix you just don't find. No, and it's all going to come into play in the OHL too. There are certain facets of of your game that you often leave behind as you jump from level to level, but all those intangibles you just mentioned, the edge, the physicality, the scoring touch, we just talked about it. Who's currently leading the OHL in points right now? A defenseman, Hunter Brustavich. So for a defenseman to be able to chip in on the back end and produce and have a physicality and potentially run a power play and also play big minutes in your defensive end because you're physical and hard on four checkers in the corners. Everything you're mentioning goes into what it takes to be not only a great OHLer, but potentially a great professional player. Definitely. And then if we continue on in the defenseman vein, Jared Woolley, fourth in St. Thomas stars scoring, and he's got five goals, 12 points in just eight games. And he's another guy who has size who has offensive ability. He's got a dynamite shot. I mean, underrated shot. This is something maybe that you didn't expect. And Jared Woolley is a guy who comes from the 2022 OHL priority selection. So he is having a really good offensive and defensive start. Noah Jenkin is a defenseman with Strathroy. And again, here comes more offense. A goal and eight assists, nine points in 14 games. Such a steady player. He's got a great frame for the game. So Noah Jenkin, big, big points and a good start with the Strathroy Rockets. You notice a theme there, Mike. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was saying, you know what, Mike? You notice a theme there. All three defensemen you just mentioned, their size, their stability, their scoring. There is a theme for the Knights drafting specific defensemen and what they could potentially bring once they get over to the Knights. It's it's fun to kind of see that development process in the early stages. Is it ever? And you look at how things have worked out so far for all of them in the way that they're being brought along. All of these stages are giving them confidence and allowing them to play against older players. They make the transition into the OHL a little bit easier. And then we've even got a free agent who was signed in the summer in Evan Van Gorp, who absolutely dazzled at night's training camp. And Evan Van Gorp is playing with the Strathroy Rockets. And he hasn't played a ton of games yet, but he too is adding in almost a point per game. Two goals and seven assists in eight games with the Strathroy Rockets. And then you've got Alexi Medvedev 
who is playing for the St. Thomas Stars in net and is seeing the bulk of the starts. He's got a 390 goals against average and an 899 save percentage in 10 games, but he is getting, Kyle, an awful lot of shots. Give us this idea. Let's say that you played 10 games, and in eight of those games, you faced 35 shots or more, sometimes over 40. How busy are you as a goalie? It, it's it's very funny, the difference between facing... 25 shots a game and facing 35 shots a game because for the for you to see 10 more shots in a game the puck has to be sustained in your end for a significantly longer period of time which means you're moving a lot more laterally you're coming out you're you're dealing with more scrambles in front of your net and it's just it's a lot more wear and tear it's a lot more stress on on your core on your legs when you're set in position to make a save and listen you can look at the numbers all you want and you can see a 390 goals against average you'd be like oh he's he hasn't done very well the 899 save percentage is, is where i'm going to i know they don't track this stat in in you know the junior hockey or everything like that but i feel like his goal saved above expected versus it's the quality of chances that he's seeing versus the quantity i feel like the quality and chances are probably very high as well and for alexei medvedev so far i i, I can see the save percentage and i have a feeling that he has faced a lot of high danger scoring chances and Again, it's all flamed. It's it's right now he is the hot iron cast in the fire. They are currently molding him because he could potentially be the guy next year for the London Knights. And you want him seeing as much rubber, as much action as possible. And I like those numbers for Medvedev. I'm I'm just gonna say it. You obviously you'd like to see them maybe a little bit better, but for the for the volume of shots that you're seeing, 35 shots at least in eight of ten games is insane. And the numbers he's putting up are, are quite respectable. I like what I'm seeing right now from that. So there's the run through on all of the young players to keep your eye on who will make the future of the London Knights. The present of the London Knights, three games in three days. Brantford, Owen Sound, and Kitchener back to back to back. Back to being what junior hockey is all about. Here come the games. Kyle, will recap them on our next podcast. Going to be a lot of fun. Three games and three nights. Lots to talk about our next episode. And again, follow us. You can follow Mike on socials. He posts his clips of calling the game at Stubbs980 and uh, myself at Kyle Grimard. And follow the podcast as well. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We'll see you next week.